Well, good morning, everyone. Enough pancakes and sausage? (laughs) Someone asked me this morning, how come you're not wearing your pajamas? There are some things that are not allowed at church. One of them would be me in my pajamas. So, have you told folks... Right. I, I, was, I was just standing with you, Phil. So, have you told anybody Merry Christmas this morning? Good, good, good. You can do that. It's, you know, Christmas Day has passed, but it is, uh, it's still permitted. If you got my email this week, you know I am a fan of this historic church season that we find ourselves in. It's a 12-day period. Uh, Christmas tide, Christmas Day, or just the Christmas season began at dawn on Christmas Eve, or sundown, excuse me, and then Monday, January the 6th, will be Epiphany. So, so we go right up to that celebration of, of uh, Jesus being revealed or being found by the Magi. So this is the fifth day of Christmastide. So, you know the song, right? According to the uh, 12 days of Christmas, you know what to look forward to. Five golden rings arriving sometime at your house today. Most historians, most historians think that those are French birds of some kind. Now, those go along with the four calling birds, the three French hens, the two turtle doves, and a partridge. And tomorrow, you get geese with swans following the next day. That, my friends, is a lot of bird poop. I'm not sure who would want any of those things. All right. Serious note. What was your favorite Advent experience? Advent Christmas experience. Thus far, even. Speak it out. What did, what did you celebrate? What was, what was special? Nobody had anything special during this season. Poor family. How about? We could tell. No, 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 we all want to hear. We're not shy yet. <laughs> Teresa loves Christmas Eve. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. What else? Emmanuel. Amen to that. That. Indeed, indeed. Other things. Rick. I like that. Reminder of the announcement to the shepherds. Yeah. Sharice and I are off to Utah this afternoon. And we're going to be having a family gathering until Friday. All seven of our grandchildren are going to be there. (laughs) That, by the way, is one four-year-old, four two-year-olds, one five-month-old, and one only three weeks old. It's pretty much a Christmas nursery of sorts, but we are anticipating a time of beautiful chaos, absolutely. And and despite the noise and the lack of sleep, I'm already convinced that the time will go by far too quickly. I've told you my theory, right? I've decided that as we get older, there are not 24 hours in a day. We have been lied to. Uh, When we were children, there were as many as 36 or 48 hours in a day. Uh, But as we get older, at some point in adulthood, we realize we've been duped. There are not 24 hours in a day. 18 at the most, probably less, most days. And I wonder, 
I, I wonder if this is, at least in part, what prompts us to make resolutions around this time of the year. Um, if you looked at the sermon title, it says something about random thoughts. My thoughts were random earlier in the week. So <laughs> Gary says, you got a title? I said, yeah, random thoughts for 2020. What does that mean? But they have become a little more focused as I have uh, gotten to the end of this week. And thinking in terms of resolutions. Now, have you ever noticed that it's pretty much adults who make New Year's resolutions? Kids, kids don't. Time is fleeting. We adults realize that there are things to change and improve, and, and there's just not as much time or enough time to do it. So it's in the, in the spirit of New Year's resolutions that I want to share with you two resolutions that I have not only for this year, but that I have had for several years, which, quite honestly, if you know me, I'm, I'm not a resolution maker. I, I make them and then I break them, so I guess that makes me a resolution breaker. But, but given a couple of things that I've read recently, I want to share these with you because I think they just feel so appropriate for the time in which we find ourselves living. And, of course, every generation, I think, of God's people has said that, you know? Wow, we really need this or that. Um, but this is our generation, and this is our time. And I think, I think that these uh, just maybe an exceptional fit. And my hope is that we, we might all decide that, that these two are important enough resolutions, not only for this year, but frankly for, for every coming year. Perhaps move them to the top of a list if you have a list. If you've heard the name Unisys, you know that it is a multi-billion dollar global IT company. It's known for building highly secure, modern digital platforms. They provide multi-cloud cybersecurity for government agencies, financial institutions, airline industry, healthcare systems. And they routinely survey people all over the world and they create what they call a security index, which is considered to be one of the most, uh, or one of the, excuse me, one of the only recurring global snapshots, sort of on a regular basis, of, of citizen perceptions, what's, what's going on in the world, how do people experience that and respond to that. It measures anxiety, anxiety about issues like national security, disasters, epidemics, and personal safety. And the most recent survey shows that those surveyed in the US, levels of anxiety are at the highest they have ever been since the company began doing these surveys in 2004. One senior vice president says, it is an understatement to say that anxiety level is high and that we live in very uncertain times. He says, we have seen a huge spike over the last few years. It appears that our cloak of security, the impression that we have had that we are more secure than the rest of the world, is starting to fade. Now, probably won't surprise you to know that Amazon tracks just about everything you ever do in your life, especially when it's related to them. 
Alexa reports things about your listening preferences. Their website tracks every click that you make. And this, I think, is especially fascinating. They keep track of the highlighting that is done by their readers on their digital e-readers. When readers mark certain things, Amazon knows it. Yeah! Isn't that amazing? Now, you might not know this. A couple of years ago, they released a list of the most popular passages in some of their best-selling books, including the Bible. The most highlighted passage in the Bible? What would you guess? John 3.16? That would have been my guess. Maybe Psalm 23? Perhaps Matthew 6, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray? At the time they released the list, it was Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Can we put that up? Do not be anxious about anything. Let's stand together and read it, shall we? Here we go. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. You think maybe that's appropriate for this age in which we are living? Do not be anxious. Anxiety is at an all-time high, according to some. And have you noticed that opportunities to be anxious and to worry, they come in all shapes and sizes. Worry is no respecter of persons. It comes to all of us in one way or another. You listen to the evening news, now that gives plenty to worry about. What is North Korea's promised Christmas gift to the US? Concerns about national security, concerns about the economy, and. And, and what some experts say is just a matter of time until the recession hits again. New tax laws and an overburdened health care system. Violence in our communities. Should I go on? Oh, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Big scale concerns that potentially impact us as individuals, but there are smaller ones too. Personal health. Just having a reliable car. Saving his account balances and the future. The list is endless. Just yesterday, we had some friends over for lunch, and they informed us that the lighted Christmas wreath that sits at the end of our house, the gable end as you look at the driveway, is upside down. <laughs> and I said, No way! They're right. It's upside down. Do you know what I immediately thought? What do the neighbors think? Well, I can tell you what the neighbors think. He's an idiot. His race upside down. Everybody knows that. I didn't know that. Well, I'm told because of the way, you know, the, the ribbon. You tie the bow and the little bottom pieces of the bow are flowing down. Well, mine are flowing up. My only consolation is that my wife didn't notice it either. But now I can talk. Yeah. 
And so now we're both worried about what the neighbors are thinking of us. Worry is no respecter of persons. One of the constant worries for Sharice and I is about the safety of our grandchildren when they are with us. We have a motto. No injury on our watch. None. It's just not going to happen. How many of you are grandparents? Okay, so, so you know the experience of having to put a child seat in your car. Unbelievable. Oh, my gosh. It's, it has become a science. I mean, did you know that car seats have, they have expiration dates? Because the, the plastic base sits in the car all year long. It freezes and it practically melts in the summer and then it freezes again in the winter and that stresses the plastic. And so there are expiration dates. And perish the thought that you should have an accident with your child in that expired car seat and it be found out. And when you go to put those things in, there are these little metal safety bars that are buried deep down in the crack between the seat cushion and the back. And it takes a gymnast to be able to hold the position necessary long enough to get that stupid thing attached. Oh, my gosh. And then there are the straps, 3.5.55 point connections. Holy cow. I, no, we don't have them in our car. We borrow them, which just makes it so much fun. You take it in, you take it out. You take it in, you take it out. Yeah. Oh, I honestly, I don't know. Oh, and you've got to make sure the seatbelts are tight enough. The, the, the two-finger thing is what I'm told goes under the little collar thing here. and That's got to be a certain height because otherwise they might fly out of their car seat. And they can't have their winter coat on. Take the winter coat off because that will, that will give you a false idea that it's secure enough. I, every time I put a kid into a car seat, I'm just, I'm, I'm worried to death. Something's going to happen and it's my fault. How did we survive without car seats like that? Okay. Enough of that. <laughs> yeah. There is so much to worry about, right? And these words is what Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, has to say about it. And he offers a solution for worry. I want you to turn to your neighbor and talk about that solution. What is? What is the solution for worry, according to Paul? See what your neighbor thinks. Okay, we ready? What's the solution to worry? Say again. Prayer, thanksgiving, petition, anything else? And it makes the worry go right away, right? No. Yes, it does. It does help a lot. Man, Paul is exhorting us not to worry about anything. Those words do not, it's imperative language in the Greek, it's command language. Do not worry about anything. So, that means, and you know this, I know this, to worry is to be disobedient. Disobedience is a sin. Sorry, I had to use the S word. 
And sin is not honoring to our God. But to worry is human. We worry because we are creatures. We are created. Created means dependence. But we, we, we chafe in our human nature against the dependence. We want to be autonomous. We want, we want to establish the law. We want to set the secure boundaries. We want to make sure things are within our control. And sometimes, in some moments, we think we are in control. But ultimately, in our most honest moments, we know we're not in control. And that's why we worry. So, we need to make a resolution in 2020 that we're not going to worry about anything. Because do not worry about anything means do not worry about anything. Unfortunately, not big things, not small things, not car seat safety, not anything. And that is what Paul is saying. This, this is the same language that Jesus used with his followers in Matthew 6. Do not worry about the stuff of this life. Remember, your heavenly Father knows what you need. Don't seek after things that bring security and comfort. Because, he says, that's what the pagans seek after. Not a complimentary word. The children of God, they act differently. Do not worry about the stuff of this life, Jesus says, because <laughs> worry does not change anything. It just doesn't. It drives our, our heart rate up. Blood pressure gets high. Strokes. I want you to think of something just quietly for a few minutes. I, wanna, I want you to think of something, and, and there may be several things, but try to zero in on that one thing that if you're really honest, you know you worry about it. You just do. And you don't want to, but you, but you know that you do. Think, think about that for just a moment. Find it in your, your head, that thing that maybe makes you worry more than anything else. Can you feel it? It's in there? Can you, can you even, in a, in, a, in a way, kind of sense the, the emotions that come when you, you begin to worry about whatever that thing is? Just thinking about it right now might be making you worry a little bit? Because, oh, great. I had to bring that up on a Sunday morning. I was doing pretty well. Now, say to yourself... I'm worrying about this. And my worry changes nothing. But it dishonors God. I'm not going to continue to dishonor God. Instead, I want to honor Him. And so, so I will pray. I will pray. And I will do so in the way that I'm instructed in the Word, and specifically in this text. So your first resolution is, I'm not going to worry. Second one is just like the other side of the same coin. Instead, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray with thanksgiving, says Paul. 
But in every situation, we could insert the word instead there. Instead, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And what's so cool here is that that Paul just has everything in mind. Everything that it is possible for human beings to worry about, because that's what we do best. We worry, because we're not in control of anything. And when we're honest, we know that. And so Paul is just suggesting something very practical here. Be honest about the fact that you're human and you worry. But instead of letting yourself go down that path when it begins, think, oh, there it is. I am going to pray. How do I do that? It's interesting that Paul uses both words, prayer and petition. And the word he uses for prayer, it's a common one that we see throughout the New Testament. The word for petition is the one that relates to personal concerns. And so so he's... He's just bringing this right into our sphere, personally, where we are. What are those things that cause me to worry that I need to pray and give to God with thanksgiving? Why thanksgiving? Because there is much to be thankful for. First of all, that we have a relationship with God who hears the prayers of his people. He calls us to pray to him and not to worry. A true living God. Second, he is a God who invites us to address him as Father because that is who God is to us through the work of his son Jesus. And he is a Father who cares about his children. A Father, the scripture teaches, is always at work in the circumstances of our lives, working his plan for our growth and his great glory. In other words, he is a God that can and will do something in response to our prayers. Ultimately, and this is hard, but ultimately I think we need to see worry and its prevalence in our lives in both little things, medium and large things, we need to see worry as an insult to God. Because that's ultimately what it is. You know, and, and to in, in the power of, of God's Spirit who indwells us as His people, when we recognize we're stepping foot onto the path of worry, to go, no, I will not go there. Instead, I'm going to give this energy to to praising God for who he is and thanking him and, and, and offering this to him as, oh God, you know I worry about this. It's just, it's on me all the time. Go there. Be that honest. Turn your worry energy into prayer energy. I think that's what Paul is calling us to. And so we need to see worry about anything as an insult to God. And when we are worrying, we're essentially saying to God even though we'd never say it to God, you are not enough. You are not big enough. God, you are not strong enough. Frankly, I don't think you care enough. Yet we are in the midst of a season where the one born in a manger was fulfillment of the prophecy. We sang it this morning. He will be called Emmanuel, which means... 
Is that not enough? It is enough. It is enough. So what does Paul say? The peace of God. The result of this turning my worry energy into prayer with thanksgiving activity and energy. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Worrying about things starts in our minds. We think about things in ways that, that leave God out of the equation. And then our emotions get into it and pretty soon worry has taken control of our lives. What does Paul say is the reward for working to to turn this as an opportunity into recognizing God's presence and praying with thanksgiving. The peace of God will guard our hearts and minds. I think this is the way to deal with worry head on. We, we cannot worry and pray at the same time. It, it just isn't going to work. Paul is saying that, that as we pray, and give over the things that worry us the peace of God, and that is the Advent peace that we learned about in this season. It is the shalom of God. Shalom always having to do with the presence of God. We're recognizing and we are receiving as a reward a reminder of God's presence in our lives. He is close, and He is sufficient. And though we might be surprised about these things that cause worry, He is not. And so we, we give ourselves to that and experience the shalom of God, the sense that all is well. That doesn't mean that all is comfortable, that all is sunny, that, 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 the, that the answer is, is right before me, but all is well in terms of my soul and that sense of, what am I going to do? I'm going to trust my God who knows this situation and is with me, and is for me. That sense that all is well can begin to take over the space that's in our heads and our hearts, start to, to push out the intensity of the concerns. I think what I love about this language is that it's, it's not a one-time deal. It's over and over and over again. The language that Paul uses is language that encourages us to do this as often as needed. There's, there's no number or time limits on this. You know, Paul doesn't say, you know, if you have to do this more than five times a day, then you are a spiritual weenie. He doesn't say that. It's, it's an invitation for us to meet worry with the presence and the promise and the faithfulness of God to be with His people. In this Christmas season, we heard, do not fear, do not be afraid. Three specific times, Mary and Joseph and the shepherds were all confronted with the news of what God was doing. They were told, do not be afraid. It's fear that drives worry. The good news of the Christmas story is that we do not need to be afraid of the very thing that should cause us fear. Jesus came.
to save us from our sin, to be an atoning sacrifice for us, to, to make possible a relationship of Heavenly Father and beloved child. We are the ones that our Father loves. We are loved by God. Say that with me. We are loved by God. Now say that one more time and really think about it. We are loved by God. That is fuel or the prayer that gives thanks to God and drives out the worry. At least for a time until it shows up again and then away we go again. The truth that changes everything so that when things cause us to worry, and they will, remember, you are loved by God. Amazing. So, Allie, Phil, come on up and prepare to, uh, to lead us. I just want to close with this, and I hope that I don't insult any of you. It's always a possibility. We know that. There is a bumper sticker that circulates on cars. If this is on your car, go tear it off. When all else fails, pray. That is the stupidest thing we could ever say. When all else fails. In other words, when I've given everything that I've got from my just unending fount of wisdom and infinite resources, well, that's all failed, I'm going to pray. Boy, now there is a statement that is just dumb. Oh, don't go there. Remember, all else has failed. And all else will continue to fail. Let's spare ourselves a whole lot of mental anguish in 2020. When worry shows up, and it will, let's be people who determine to honor our God instead of giving in to worry. Let's pray. Give thanks to Him. As often as it takes, He loves us. He's got us.